Hey guys, our sponsor for this episode is Studio. They are revolutionizing the headphone game. I tried one of their Bluetooth wireless headsets, and let me tell you, it is amazing. Listen for their spot later on in the show. What they discovered upon their arrival was almost unspeakable. We are all involved in some form or the dead won't buy me. It's the living you gotta worry about. Some, if I couldn't keep them there with me whole, I, at least I felt that I could keep uh, their skeletons. Hey guys! Hi! Guess what you're listening to? I don't know. What are we listening to? The Banty's Crime Game! Oh my god! I'm Janelle. I'm Vicky. We got another amazing episode for you today. We sure do. We're coming off of a high right now. <laughs> anniversary episode. It was pretty fucking long. Yeah. It fe- I mean, it felt like recording it. It yeah. felt long. Uh, if this is if this is your first time here, a special hello to you. And if you better this go is, back and listen to all If you've listened to us before, welcome back. Uh, yeah, great episode. Back yeah. to our normal stuff. It's right. like it's like life is normal. Right. It's not like we've been around for a year or anything. It's only going to be like special for now. We're not going to have another probably big one until five, I would say. Oh, I don't no. know. It's too. We're it's getting too, a cake every year. I mean, yeah. it'd be nice to have a cake every year. I'd be done for it. I'm not going to argue with cake year. once a year okay, at next least. Year we'll do pie. It'll be like change every anniversary. So, oh, anniversary one was paper cake. <laughs> anniversary two is cotton pie. Ew. <laughs> Uh, gross gross (laughs) yes so we do have a great episode for you guys this week uh before we get started we're gonna head over to the newsroom so today in our episode we're going to be visiting latin america and that region. Yes. Um, this of America. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about the homicide rate in South America off the top of the show today yeah. because, first of all, it's insane. I think I mentioned it in the last mm-hmm. episode, like, South America has just an insane homicide rate. Central South America, like, right just as soon as you hit the end of Mexico yes, and go down, yeah. it's just a nightmare. Um, it, it's <laughs> so bad, in fact, that Latin America's homicide rate has actually been at least three times the global average um, for over a decade, mm-hmm. which is a lot. Um, Latin America is where the most murders in the world happen. In 2016, at least 43 of the 50 most homicidal cities in the world were located in that region. Mm-hmm. Uh, led by San Salvador in El Salvador. Oh, really? I thought it was going to be Rio de Janeiro. Acapulco in Mexico. Okay, okay. And San Pedro Sula in Honduras. Acapulco, really? Mm-hmm. That's a pretty big tourist destination. Also a pretty big homicide destination. Okay, well, I'm not going there because I'm not going on a murder vacation. <laughs> <laughs> a murder-cation? No murder-cation. Um, it's not... Uh, I hate to paint the region like that because it's really not that that bad in every single part of the region. Um, like in Argentina, Costa Rica, Ecuador, Peru, and Uruguay, um, and in particular uh, Chile, which has a rate of 2.7 homicides per 100,000 people, mm-hmm. which is really low. They're relatively safe areas. 
Um, but even their combined average homicide rate, which is 6.5 per 100,000 people, is twice that of North America. Yeah. Um, so think, even in the yeah. safest countries. You think like LA and Detroit are bad? Yeah. Go to South America. <laughs> um, this is interesting. Meanwhile, Brazil, Colombia, El Salvador, Honduras, Mexico, and Venezuela together account for one in every four homicides on Earth. Oh, my gosh. See, I, I remember hearing stories about, like, Rio de Janeiro and all the Chile, like, specifically having really, really high crime rates. But mm-hmm. And there's a lot of factors to that that I'm sure we'll get into in today's episode. political economical factors? Yeah. You basically <laughs> just hit everything. You yes, hit okay, everything. All in one. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to start off with some of those statistics. It kind of gives you a good idea of why the things in our episode today happened. Yeah. Um, it's fucking like the There's Wild West out there. There's so many yeah. stories. Yes. Messed up, juicy stories. <laughs> um, let's head over to Netflix and Kill. Of course. We are talking... I wanted to make sure to mention this before I it got too far away from when it was released on, on Netflix. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about Darren Brown's The Push for a second. Did oh you God. see this shit? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> So I couldn't. I literally the entire time was like, I would never do that. Did you watch? I would you never wa- Did you watch that. the series? Yes, I okay. did. Have not watched it yet, of course, okay. as per the usual. Oh my God. So I turned it on, me. and I was like, turn this garbage off. So <laughs> the, then he kept watching. The idea is that Darren Brown, who is a mentalist, I think they describe him as a mentalist. Yeah, he's really mental. <laughs> um, he investigates the power of compliance by persuading a member of the public into believing that they have pushed someone to their death. It's like a it's like a social experiment on a grand scale to see if you can convince somebody to murder another person. And I saw the trailers for this and was like uh, the thing is it's like not necessarily that you were murdering someone but that you were covering up a death okay so it's just this huge story that he weaves together and each part of it he points out this is where he says yes and goes along with the you know every point like one example was they were supposed to serve vegetarian hors d'oeuvres and they didn't come. So what they did was just put vegetarian, you know, label on the tray that had meat in it. And he was like, yeah, I'll put the flags in the tray, like just going along with the farce, even though he knows it's wrong. So it starts out with all these small, little, minute things. There is just something so fucked about somebody like trying to convince this guy because now I'm like okay so this guy this what I found out is the series is actually Netflix says it's a Netflix original but it actually came out on the BBC in the UK in like 2016 yeah Yeah. he does a couple of things like this where it's like trying to convince people they're like a Penn and Teller kind of a thing Right. right there is something so fucked about trying to convince a person that they need to cover up a murder and this guy is now on TV and probably feels like an idiot and I bet you people are not super thrilled with him if he went along with it. Don't tell me if he did because I haven't watched it yet. (laughs) But part of me is like assuming obviously that he did. Right. But like regardless of the outcome even any like the people in his life probably think he's like oh great this guy would cover up a murder if It came down to it. I don't know if I want to be friends with him anymore. I mean, it was just this whole series of little things that built up to the large, you know, 
apply. Right. But when they were talking about how they selected him, they had this, like, jury where they were sitting in this circle, like, filling out paperwork, and every time a buzzer would ring, they would stand up, and it would ring again, and they would sit down. So a couple of them were actors, and the rest of them were all real people. Mm. And you could see... Like, the people that would come in, a couple of them would just be like, oh, what are we doing? And keep going. And then the one or two people that didn't comply, and they were just, like, looking at them while they filled out the paperwork, they were, like, gone. They got rid of them. Yeah. You could tell that some people are so strong-willed that they were just like, what the... Yeah. That'd be me. I'd be like, what the fuck are you standing up for? That sounds like that, um, the elevator experiment, where it's, like, one person facing the back of the elevator Mm -hmm. gets everybody to face the back of the elevator kind of a thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, so anyway, check it out. <laughs> it's just like I really wanted to talk about it because the idea of that as it a TV so show angry. is like, why would you do this? I was to like, a turn this egg? off. It's a it garbage kept, television that's addicting. It just kept progressing. Well, I didn't have control of the you know watching at the time. I fucking watched I was like, it anyway. Please turn it off because it was just making me so mad that people are just yes people, yes people all yes, the time, and yes, I'm like, no. Yes. I'm like, question everything. (laughs) Why are they standing when a buzzer rings? No. (laughs) Jeez. So check it out. Uh, Do you have anything else off the top of the show? No, we're just excited to jump in here. All right. (laughs) Well, this is that part of the show where I say content may not be appropriate for all listeners. And we made it this time. This time we're for Um, real. I know I've got some child Child uh, murder. murder, So if you're not comfortable with that. You might want to skip this episode and check out actually our one year anniversary episode. That one wasn't too bad. Yeah, just check go that back one out and listen. If you like a light cult yeah. palate cleanser, a light, a light <laughs> cult palate cleanser. Uh, so I am going to start off today. We, like I said at the beginning, are visiting South America for our episode today. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just want to start off at the top, and I'm sure you had something similar um, by saying. Because we are visiting South America, (laughs) a lot of the research was in Spanish. And I did have a little help um, by somebody who I mentioned at the end of the show, but uh, most of it was through like Google Translate. So sometimes it ends up a little disjointed or the information maybe isn't coming through as clear. So errors in this, I'm blaming on that today. (laughs) Some things don't really translate and the laws that they um, have are a little bit different the way that they prosecute and collect evidence and stuff. So, right. yeah, my basic understanding of the Spanish language helped only a small amount. I was like, oh, yeah, I took Spanish for two years. And I'm like, like oh, eight years ago? Just yeah. kidding. Spanish in South America is not the same. No, no way. <laughs> so I am going to be talking about Luis Alfredo Garavita Cubillos. Yes. <laughs> A.K.A. The Beast or Crazy or just simply Crazy. The Priest. The Priest. Which will, for reasons that will be made clear later on. God. So Luis was born in 1957 in Genova, Quindio, Colombia. He was the oldest of seven sons and was constantly beaten by his father, as well as being repeatedly raped by two male neighbors starting at age 12. So already not starting off super great in his life. Um, And this really provided an atmosphere of violence and instability in the household, which we know tends to make... um, 
Making a murderer. Mur- murderers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in addition, Luis didn't receive much schooling. He only received five years in total. Um, and he left home at the age of 16 and entered the working world by first becoming a store clerk and then landing a job as a street vendor whose wares included religious icons and prayer cards with stuff like Pope John Paul II images. Sure. Yeah. That sounds good. Um, not really much else is known about his family. Um, and I, I also want to say here that a lot of the informa- the known information comes from uh, an interview that was done with Luis himself. So he, a lot of his background information comes directly from him. Um, he did kind of bounce from job to job as he moved through adulthood. And he had quite a drinking problem as well as a lack of self-control over his anger. Um, that seems to be a pretty common theme. <laughs> yeah. Uh it made it really difficult to hold down a regular job. Um, he he would go into fits where he would hit his coworkers and his bosses. Yikes! Which is obviously a problem in the workplace. <laughs> Nobody's gonna want to be hiring somebody who's just like beating on on their fellow employees. Um, Around the age of 35, Luis decided to seek psychiatric treatment on his own, which I found kind of interesting. Um, he remained in treatment for five years, although the treatment seemingly had no effect on him, really. Um, so by the mid-90s, he was traveling the country as a street vendor, okay. um, not being able to make any connections in the places that he was in, really, because he was traveling from place to place. Uh, his grandmaster plan, it seemed, was to stay in one place until he had kind of like worn out his welcome and then move on to the next place. Uh, again, like I said, a lot of this research is in Spanish. Some of it's in Portuguese. Yeah, which, so, <laughs> which is even more confusing than Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so some of the facts of the story sounded really interesting, but I can't honestly confirm if, one, they are truthful, and two, if they're translated correctly. So I'm going right. to say them anyway, mm-hmm. because they sound really interesting, but I just want to put that caveat on it. Um, I found one mention of Luis that he had two partners, but not in like the conventional sense. Um, there were like two women that he lived with for various lengths of time, and I think at different times. Um, and the article describes the relationship as Luis kind of playing this complex role of like a husband and a protector. But specifically, they said it was not, he did not have a relationship as a lover to these women. Okay. So just, just like companionship. Like when you're old and you right. just want to hang out with another old person. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and I don't think that he was legally married to either of these women either. Right. And they probably don't have like, what is that? Like the law or if you like, like the common law? Yeah. Common yeah. Law marriage down there. Um, both women that he lived with had some kids, and although he would beat the women after he had started drinking, he would never hit the children. Um, he once commented on this by saying, quote, I had many frustrations ever since I was a little boy. I always did things wrong. I was a good man. I suffered when I saw others suffer. There was something happening. I don't know what it was. And it was something weird that forced me to drink and do this. And when I would sober up, I suffered terribly because I could not tell anybody what was happening to me. It was something weird and terrible, but I never 
hooked up with my friend's kids or the people that were nice to me. I respected them. I gave them good advice and I saw them as my own kids, even the women that lived with me. I never touched her son because I loved him as my son. I never disrespected him, not even with my thoughts. Wait, did he say hooked up with... Yeah. Never hooked. That's very interesting choice of words. Yeah. He never, again, translated kind of to hooked up. It's like the American phrasing of whatever he was saying. Um, So overall, Luis traveled the country of Colombia five times in totality. And he visited 69 municipalities, 39 of which he would commit his crimes in. Um, there was also mention of Louis starting two foundations, but they sounded like fraud foundations. They were just like shell organizations. One of them was benefiting children and one of them benefiting the elderly, allowing him more opportunities to travel and talk in schools and other venues that were close to children. Um, it was around this time that, that Louis discovered that he was a lover of costumes. I was going to say lover of children. <laughs> no, he does he find that out, but love yes. Children. <laughs> uh, so he began posing um, as a street vendor, a monk, an indigent, and a disabled person. I'm disabled. <laughs> I'm disabled. <laughs> um, so Luis first began killing in 1992, and using the same modus operandi from crime to crime, he wouldn't be arrested until 1999. Oh my gosh. Using his various identities, he would travel from town to town, scouting for children between the ages of 8 and 16 years old, and typically from a lower socioeconomic status. That's like the same kind of thing mine was. Yeah. Same age group and everything. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Has no relation to that. No. I actually, I think there was a point in my research where I had to double check that it wasn't part of yours, just to make sure. And yeah, no a connection. Lot of them, you see a lot of the same variables mm-hmm. happening, and it's creepy. I know. Um, so after he decided his target, he would engage them in conversation and build up this rapport, kind of by offering them food or gifts or cash, and then offer to go on a walk and lure them away from like crowded parts of the city to more secluded areas. Yeah, this for realsy sounds like my story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, He would then tie up the children, torture and rape them before ultimately killing them with at least one slash to the neck or by decapitation. Oh my gosh. Um, And children. He would be drunk during the killings. Yeah, they found like a lot of liquor bottles and stuff at the the sites. But yeah, children. Um, as I mentioned before, Luis was arrested on April 22nd, 1992. Uh, I'm sorry, that's not right. 1999. You know what? Um, Numbers, man. Yeah. He he was arrested in 1999 after a homeless man observed from the bushes near a street leading out of the town of Villa Vicencio, an adult male (laughs) attempting to abuse a boy. The boy's name is John Ivan, and Luis had forced him into a taxi where the two had traveled to the outskirts of town, which is where this homeless man had peering out of the bush 
seen all of this yet. Yeah, peeking out of a few branches. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what I imagined when I saw that. Um, so he then took the boy behind a wire fence where Luis forced John to take his clothes off and attempted to rape him. Another child nearby kind of heard the commotion and came over to help when... Luis had realized that he had been spotted. He released John so that he could run into the nearby forest and before making his own escape. And Luis Mm -hmm. got the fuck out of there. Later the same day, a taxi driver spotted a man matching the description of Luis. And police initially, they kind of had this issue identifying him because when he was arrested, he gave the name and ID number of a local politician. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, there wasn't really like any registry requirements for like a place of residence. So there wasn't really like a way to check his information and, and check it against some sort of record. Which is crazy because this is in the late 90s, early right. 2000s, and they didn't have a basically a records keeping system right and they might not still i'm not honestly sure um doubt it it's not like a a lot of the cities aren't very technologically advanced yeah yeah to send a lot of stuff out right um he did match the personal description given by John Ivan, so they kept him in custody, thankfully. Um, at which point, he confessed to the murders of 140 children. Okay. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> yeah. Does he have a tally book? I need to see like the statistics here. So there were a lot of factors. Like I said, he started in 19... 19- uh, 1992 and he wasn't discovered until 99 and there were a lot of factors as to why so i want to jump back a little bit to 1997 um this is really when police were first alerted to a possible serial killer in the area mm-hmm. uh, after the remains of 36 bodies were found in Perrier. <laughs> is, that where per- they, is that where Perrier comes era. from <laughs> Pereira, south america sure oh Pereira. Yes. Um, <laughs> let's see how long I can try and pronounce that. That's okay. Um, All of these are difficult. <laughs> as I said at the beginning of the show, South America is like the homicide capital of the world. Mm-hmm. So it's not surprising that there were other serial killers active at the oh, same yeah. time. There were a lot. And honestly, most of them have like hundreds of mm-hmm. body count, you know? Yes. Um one of the serial killers that were active at the time was a man named Pedro Alonso Lopez, who a lot of people know. Um, he had around 70 victims and is locally known as the Strangler of the Andes. Mm-hmm. And he was operating at the, at the same time. So when you say Andes, all I can think of is Andes Mints. So and then I'm good. like, he was just choking little mints. Aww. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, so police did have some some difficulty identifying like which victims belonged to which killers. There were other factors like political unrest, uh, massive violence, insufficient resources within the police departments and governments, and a lot of corruption. this <laughs> big time corruption. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of this stalled many of the investigations into these um Um, dead bodies Mm -hmm. but the DA's office of investigations from the province of Armenia decided to put together a four-person unit to try to connect similar homicides uh, across Colombia there were hundreds of cases coming in but many either lacked identification of the victims or a description of their injuries um, which kind of points to not having consistent police practices across the provinces um 
And when they did come in, they couldn't really like retroactively identify the bodies using dental records because either the children hadn't had x-rays done or the x-rays were lost to the earthquakes of 1998 down there. Yeah, I remember that. So it was kind of like really hard to identify these bodies I mean, if they're poor children, Mm -hmm. they're probably not going to have any dental records at all anyway. Right. Unless they have access to that. The only reason I could think that they would is if they were for some reason in the um, like criminal justice system. But even then, it doesn't sound like like they had the technology to do that Mm -hmm. or that they were doing it that commonly for people who were arrested. Mm -hmm. Um, After arresting Lewis in 1999, police uh, had found like various phone numbers on scraps of paper on his person, and so they decided to call these numbers that he had um, and discovered that this wasn't this local politician, of course not. but in fact, it was actually Luis Garavito. Um, so this kind of led them to a relative of Luis who had a box of his belongings, mm. including cryptic notes. Ooh. Always with the cryptic notes. Um, cut out passport photos of many of his victims. Hmm. And a calendar which more with more strange notes that was later determined to be a list of victims according to date. Oh. Um, they found... So he did have a ledger. <laughs> yeah. He did have a ledger. And they found actually that part particularly, like interesting because he had perfect recall of all of his victims and so they were like we're not really sure why he felt the need to keep a list because he had perfect recall of all of his victims That's probably why he had a perfect recall because he was just reading the list over and over every day again. every that night that was probably it's more bedtime like story a, like a memento kind of a thing yeah. having yeah. it you know in a chronological order so he could go back and remember everything and yeah. see Although the stuff that he took they considered the passport photos to kind of be the memento and um, at least from what I've seen, it's not common for serial killers to like do too many things in that regard. Like it's generally in one category. Mm-hmm. They take a memento. It's like hair or jewelry or, and it's all yeah, one ideas, thing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, they found that kind of interesting. Although he confessed to 140 murders, he is under investigation um, for 172 murders in 59 different towns and a lot of traveling yes yeah and he was literally just traveling all over colombia um it's thought actually that his count is a lot closer to 300 yes how could you even keep track of that you need so many ledgers calendar (laughs) right what calendar on this day yes march um, he has been found guilty in 138 of the 172 cases, and there are more that are continuing to go on right now. He's like 61, I want to say. Um, there, are, This part is probably the most interesting part of the whole thing. There's some really strange laws in Colombia. Oh, yeah. Um, and honestly, in South America as a whole, it's really weird laws. Um, including one that didn't require Luis to appear in court due to a regulation that was meant to simplify cases in which the defendant confesses. So that one is like strange, kind of, but it's not. I mean, that one makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, he has received approximately 2,600 years in prison. But there's a. I'm ca- sorry, that number is just like. There's a oh catch. My God. 
There is a catch. Oh, no. Oh, God. Thanks to a reform of the penal code in 2000. Penal code. Someone someone found guilty of a crime can neither be sentenced to death or be imprisoned for more than 40 years in total. Are you fucking kidding me? Yes. I mean, no, I'm not kidding you. Yes, yes that's a real just thing. Kidding. Take it JK. No, yeah. Um so even though at and this, this is point why they have the highest crime rate because you're letting people out of the prison system after 40 years. Yeah, even though at this point in most other systems he would be at least sentenced to life mm-hmm. uh, with a 2600 year sentence, he will serve only 40 years in total. Um and apparently, while he's been in prison, uh, Luis has been highly cooperative, and Fuck. some are thinking that an early release might apply. Shut up. Mm-hmm. He is still currently <laughs> incarcerated, but that's kind of it for his story. I mean, like, they're I going really through the can't. court cases, and he could be out. Um, so let me think about this. 90. Nine was when he was arrested. I'd say about then for him being convicted, convicted as well. Forty years from that is forty. Yeah, so he could be out as early as twenty forty. So twenty years. Yeah, maybe even earlier. Math. <laughs> if he, and how old if was he when he got arrested? Um, I don't know. Sixty or something? Was no, that that old? Or that he's sixty one now. He was born in 57. He got so, arrested in 99. 60 minus 18 was how old he was when he got arrested. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Math. But I'm saying like... 60 minus 18, that's 50, 42? 42, so... Yeah. He would get out of jail when he was like 80. So he'd still be living. Yeah. More than likely. If he survives Colombian prison. I don't Probably. know how bad the prisons are out there, no it sounds like. No one's going to fuck with someone who murdered, no. like, 130 no. children or 300 they did, or whatever um, the number is. They did talk about how, um, at least when he was first, I don't know about now, but at least when he was first put in prison, they kept him in a single cell because they were afraid that people were going to, like, beat and rape him because he is a child rapist and murderer. And right. seems to be a universal thing in, like, prisons around the world that if you do anything to kids specifically, you are, like even in the criminal community, like, frowned upon for that big time. Mm. So that's the story of The Beast. So, guys, we have a really amazing sponsor. Yes, we do. Studio. Back (laughs) again. Literally sing it every time. Back again for Um, a twofer. Yeah. So, Studio. Beautiful. Amazing. Bluetooth wireless headphones. Uh, So nice. Let me tell you. I mean, 24 hours of active listening time. Do you know how amazing that is? And this is no bullshit. No. Some people say they have like 24 plus hours of battery time and you start using them. This is like, this is not really what they say. Legit, use them for four solid straight days without having to, out having to, to charge them at all. It was amazing. I still haven't charged mine. I'm still using the same battery. That's crazy. You can charge it almost all the way to full battery in 10 minutes. That is so quick. Yeah, I did notice that. I thought they were charged really quick, and I thought it was a trick. Like, maybe they came half-charged, but no. I I really thought it was a trick. It's amazing. So, we both got the Regent headphones, and they are just so beautiful, so sleek. They're so comfy. Comfortable. Yeah. Practically soundproof. Yeah, which is interesting, because they are on-ear, and not they don't have, like, active... um, 
what do they call it? active noise cancellation, yeah. but they, they block out a shitload of sound. They are just amazing. They have interchangeable caps you can customize. I mean, mm. I looked at some of the designs. They're beautiful. They have those really cool marble ones. Oh, God. I, I those. like those. Yeah. They have so many styles to choose from. There's literally a pair for every person, your preferential style, your preferential wear. Yeah. And guys, you do not have to choose between style and substance. You can have both in one set of headphones. Yes. I mean, they're modern Scandinavian design. They're high, high quality. And they're really affordable. I think so. For sure. Especially with our coupon code. (gasps) We have a coupon code? Oh, my God, girl. Do you even know? Oh, my God. What is it? If you put in Crimecast Crimecast? at checkout, C-R-I-M-E. C-A-S-T. Oh, shit. You're going to get 15% off. Holy smokes. And they have free worldwide shipping. Yeah, you don't even have to worry about shipping. Worldwide. Yeah. Mumbai to Cleveland. Worldwide. (laughs) That's a great... Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Right. Cleveland. (laughs) Cleveland. So definitely go to studio.com. That's S-U-D-I-O, like the Phil Collins song. (laughs) Check them out. Get a pair for yourself. Yes. They are amazing. And don't forget, Crimecast at checkout, 15% off. Studio.com, Crimecast, 15% off. Got it. Check, check, check. All right, I want to hear about your murder, girl. Oh, my God. Well, murders? Yeah. Multiple murders? We're going to stay on theme here with multiple children murders. Hey! In South America. Hey, Pachuco! Sure. I am going to be talking about the Lineamento Universal Superior Cult. Or? Or otherwise known as the Superior Universal Alignment Cult. It's a funny story, true story. I so... (laughs) Wanted to do this, kind of, because Janelle picked a really difficult topic this week. The one that we're talking about now is not the same topic. Yeah. Well, kind of. Originally, I was like, let's do something where like UFOs are involved. Let's do like murder, but also like aliens, question mark. And it was tough. It was tough. There were like two stories and then like a Marilyn Monroe conspiracy. I was gonna say theory. the Marilyn Monroe is big there big deal. And a lot of times you get stuff for like illegal aliens, which is not right. the so same it's thing. a little bit yeah. hard to search because you have to be super specific. You have to put like univo- UFOs, extraterrestrial, blah blah blah. Yeah. But I was watching a UFO like documentary and that's why I was like, let's do because there's so many like conspiracy theories about all these UFO people who go and like investigate getting murdered. Yeah. So it, but then it winds up them just being like having a heart attack in their sleep, <laughs> right? Dying naturally. Sounds kind of similar to like the Clinton body bag theory. Yes. Where it's so like, that's oops. what I was kind of thinking of in the same yeah. vein as like conspiracy theory murder related to UFOs or aliens. So this was the only story that was really like coming up when we searched it. It's and true because like, I chose the same one. Also chose the same one. I was like, God like, damn it! I was like, Dude, I already did all the research for that. So Fuck. sorry. It's all right. <laughs> so I changed it. I was like, Okay, let's do more South America because there's still really, really good, yeah. intense oh, yeah. stories down there. So mine is obviously it's a satanic UFO cult religion put some quotes on that 
Um, and it was founded in La Plata, Argentina in 1984. So, like, the same time period as yours, pretty much. Yeah. So, very, very similar time period, locations, child murder. to... I am never Same going to South like, America. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> reaffirmed for me that I probably could travel down there. That's super safe. Um, yeah. So, the cult's leader was Valentina de Andrade, and she was originally from Brazil, and she kind of started this cult after she claims receiving messages from extraterrestrial beings that gave her exclusive universal knowledge. So, hence the universal alignment. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, universal knowledge of how to murder children. Um, so, <laughs> the group believed that the end of the world would come in 1986. So, again, very similar to a lot of the things happening at the time period. Everyone's like, late 80s, early 90s, the world's gonna end, right? Um, but not the case, obviously. Uh, so, in 1986, the extraterrestrial spaceships were going to save only the followers of this cult, and that's why you had to join and be a part of it. Um, the followers also were very into black magic, so it was kind of a combination of very, like, celestial UFO stuff, and also, like, black magic. This is such a strange mix. It's like a, a mishmash of all of the kind of doomsday cults there are out there. Right. It's really it's, it's strange. It's doomsday cult, it's black magic, it's all of the things that I find yeah. fascinating in one group. Amazing. <laughs> this is the cult for Janelle. This is the cult for me. You I mean, minus all the when it's all the right, bad stuff. When you hear UFOs, black magic. <laughs> Satan. <laughs> Hail all of the Satan. Um, <laughs> not part of the Satan, all of the Satan. Um, so the cult widely also believed... That children born after 1981 were inherently evil and need to be wiped from the earth. So we will well, be we're fucked. Bye bye. Yeah. <laughs> all of my all of my brothers and sisters it explains would be, so bye-bye. much. Yeah. So they also said that if you were going to be a member, you had to disown your children or send them away, get rid of them, basically. Um, Valentina wrote a book to help people learn more about the cult, and it was entitled "God: The Big Farce." Now, I tried to look this up, and there was an online copy in Spanish, but I, again, I'm not very good at translating. Right. Um, so it could be the actual book, or it could not be the actual book. Who knows? But definitely, go and try and find it. Um, there were a couple, like, little quotation snippets, and it's very interesting, but it is just a lot of just alien bullshit, <laughs> if you're into that. Um, <laughs> if you're into if that. If you're into that sort of thing. But in the book, she denounces God, and she states that Jesus is actually an alien, and he's the one who came down and enlightened all these people, and kind of, like, the reason he could walk on water was because he's not a human being. Um, (laughs) Okay. I mean, right. (laughs) So, and she also kind of portrayed herself outwardly as this sort of, like, lofty cosmic entity of, like, light and love and truth. But 
deep down in, if you were in the cult, you would know that that is not yeah. true. Did you look whatsoever. at pictures of her? Oh, and yeah. like those, it's like the outfits are very much like that too, where they're oh, kind yeah. of the flowy, like robe things. Kind yeah. Of dressy stuff. Girl um, was on her fashion. Okay. She was like decked out. She had she like really earrings. Was. She had her hair coiffed. But then you see these pictures of her giving these speeches in these passionate poses, like she was yelling. Yeah. You could just tell she was screaming at these people about fucking aliens. About who knows what. <laughs> Ugh. So, yeah. So she kind of said that she was this bringer of light, love, and truth, and she had become incarnate on Earth to perform this specific mission to bring people to this cult to save them. So she also preached that if. You were a boy between the age of 6 and 14. You were to be rounded up and eradicated. Oh, geez. Children were prohibited. If you had a child, no more. But especially if you were a boy, a little boy, after 1981, between the ages of 6 and 14, you needed to be wiped off the face of the earth. Jesus. Literally. So... Jesus was an alien. No. <laughs> um, in 1990- but, but seriously, yeah, but Jesus seriously. was an alien. He was an alien. He like, turned water into wine and then is not human. And then flew away from the planet. <laughs> right. He was like resurrected and then he went into a spaceship. Um, <laughs> so in, that was, you know, now that I think about it, beamed up into a spaceship. That could, yeah, it's all making sense. I think I'm, I'm sold on this. Yeah. <laughs> I am now part of this cult. I know. Uh, <laughs> So, in 1992, Brazilian uh, law enforcement, we'll loosely use that term, sure. um, started to investigate Valentina and her group due to the disappearance of a child in the island of Guaratuba in the southern state of Parana. Sound familiar? Parana. Parana. Um, where there, another child had become a victim of a ritual crime, so they were investigating her and to see if they were connected. Um, because it was, again kind of black magic-y, satanic sort of deal. Yeah. Um, Valentina and her followers avoided prosecution when suspicions were proven to be inconsistent um, because they kind of proved that she wasn't, like, technically at that place at yeah. that time. And I just want to put out, I know um, I mentioned that there were a lot of serial killers active at the same time. Mm-hmm. Part of it was um, the reason they had problems connecting some murders is because there was a general feeling in the public that one person couldn't be doing this, and they attributed a lot of child deaths that were happening at the time to satanic organizations and cults and things like yeah, that. So it was that time period, like yeah. 90s, early 90s. Oh, yeah. Satanic cult panic. Yeah. Everywhere. It was, all over it the world, was not, not just, just a U.S. US thing. <laughs> And because of the kind of culture that South America has, they have very similar kind of like shaman practices or centuria kind of deals where they're blending all of these Catholic Christian religions with things that are more pagan based. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's where the like the scariness comes from, because a lot of the most of the people are practicing just Christianity, Catholicism. and then they see these people incorporating all this black magic, and they're like, oh, no. Like, yeah. they automatically think it's, like, you know, ritualistic killing. But, right, yeah. you know, it's not in reality. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these cults that are satanic or what have you, they turn something that was just, like, a basic religion about, you know, all these different gods, and they turn it into something dark and evil. That's not what it was. They yeah. make it that way to kind of 
make themselves benefit from it. Right. So, they kind of proved that she wasn't there at the time when this kid went missing and was murdered. Um, From that moment on, the sect had ceased all public operations, and its leader, Valentina, left for Brazil, and she wound up in the city of Ladrina. Um, She took up residence. Again, she moved to Buenos Aires, and then... She kind of stayed there for a little bit, went back to Piranha, came back to Buenos Aires. She was bopping all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, she was trying to avoid staying in the public eye too much just because of the heat that they got from that ritualistic killing. Right. Um, so between 1989 and 1992, children began disappearing around the town of Altamira. 19 boys in total went missing, ages 8 to 13. Six were found dead. Five were missing and never found, and the rest had escaped whatever had ha- that had happened to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, so most were found murdered, um, and it was, again, in a ritualistic manner. They were kidnapped, abused, and mutilated. Uh, some had their eyes gouged out, wrists slit, sexual organs removed. Um, the Damn. cult was... That is intense. Yeah. The cult was automatically just accused of perpetrating these crimes. And the investigation was like a goddamn whirlwind. It started out really quickly. They arrested all these people. And then the trial didn't take place for a really long time. The justice system in South America is so fucking slow. And it is especially difficult when you are trying to investigate in communities that are rural Mm -hmm. and are basically full of indigenous people. And we see this happen all the time, like when we covered the cases in Canada. Yeah. The the issue with the indigenous nations there. Um, There was a lot of issues when a bunch of those women in New Mexico and Arizona went missing and were found murder. Mm -hmm. They were all Native American women from specific reservations that were found dead. So we see the the wheels of justice go even slower when it involves indigenous groups or especially women and children from poorer communities who no one really cares about or they don't see kind of out of sight, out of mind sort of thing. So, in all, four people were being accused, and the leader of the group, Valentina. Um, Due to lack of evidence, however, not all of the murdered missing children were included in the indictment. They weren't able to collect a lot of evidence, or some of them were so skeletonized that they couldn't really figure out anything besides, like, age and sex of the person that was murdered. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just, especially if you think of the climate of South America... It's not really great for preservation of bodies. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So it was very hard for them to collect evidence. Um, The prosecution also had a really difficult time directly connecting Valentina to the crimes because we have all those court documents from the case in Piranha where she was stated to not being in that city but in another city at the time, which means that she would have been away from Ultima and in a different place. So, they had a this evidence from another case saying that she wasn't in either areas at the time. So, they had a really hard time kind of collecting other evidence to get her, you know, pinned for these crimes. Mm-hmm. So, two of the surviving boys that had escaped this sort of event that happened to them um, placed three men at the scene of the crime and accused them of, you know, doing these acts to them. They were... Um, here comes all the names. Get ready. Ooh, yeah, these are some good ones. Anicio Ferrara de Sousa. 
It's pretty good. Okay, he's a doctor. Amalton Madera Gomez. He was the son of a wealthy businessman. And security guard Carlos Alberto Santos. Good job. Thank you. That all sounded very authentic. <laughs> um, the trial, which occurred 13 <clears throat> years after the first slaying. Wow. 13 years. That's a, that is Yikes. a long-ass time. That's how long it took them to collect evidence. Well, and I guarantee Ugh. you all these guys were detained for that long as mm-hmm. they're collecting evidence. Oh, yeah. Jeez. So it, it really brought attention to the flaws in the legal system and brought to light the difficulties of trying cases in rural areas. Jeez. So the two boys identified Santos as the one who dragged them into the forest where they were drugged with LSD, raped... And then mutilated. They were basically castrated. Jesus. Um, Antonel Costa told the court that he was so scared as a child to speak out, but now as an adult, he is no longer scared and has no doubt in his mind that those men perpetrated all of these crimes. So, um, the police wound up dropping a bunch of the murder cases because of lack of evidence and obvious incompetence. Um, And that's what led to all the delays. So the men were only tried for the murder of three boys and the attempted murder of the two boys that uh, were at the trial. And And how many was it originally set up for? 19 were originally contributed to them. Yeah. And they got tried Um, for three. They got tried for three murders and two attempted murders. Wow. Um, And I believe if we go back and look, I like wrote down the statistics here. So six died out of 19. That leaves us with 13. Uh, five were missing and never found. And then the rest of them were the ones that like escaped and only two uh, gave testimony. Wow. So that's Yikes. a lot. Um, De Salsa was sentenced to 77 years in prison. Uh, Gomez was sentenced to 57 years in prison. Carlos Alberto Santos received 35 years in prison. And then there were two others who were also involved for lesser, they were, you know, accused of lesser crimes related to the cult. Mm -hmm. They, I think, in total got like 22 years together or something like that, but they didn't serve full time. Yeah. So they basically, they received all of those, you know, accused of murder and convicted uh, for attempted murder. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, they wound up not serving all years. Go and, figure. Yeah, of course. You know, that's how it goes. <laughs> um, however, the case against Valentina literally went nowhere. Again, go um, figure. <laughs> so when they first accused her, she attempted to flee the country and was automatically caught and jailed. Um, the records of her being elsewhere were obviously the main reason she was acquitted. And in a six to one vote, she was acquitted. Six to one. Wow. That's crazy, right? Um prosecution's evidence in the case included some really fucking weird stuff. So, a video of Andrade's first husband, because she was married a few times, um, this video was of him receiving a gun as a gift, and she is quoted in the video as saying, it has bullets of gold to kill little vampires. And that's what she would call children. What? (laughs) Oh my god, there's a woman! She's bananas. Um, There was testimony from former cult members that were with her in the very beginning. And they stated that, yes, black magic was definitely involved in our cult. That's what we did. That's what we practiced. There was another member alleging that Valentina 
her abuses betrayed the mission, using her extraterrestrial imparted knowledge for her benefit and not for the common good, for which reason the teachings must be purified from her distortion and rescued from the ridicule she's created by her ravings. So basically that person was just saying, you know, we believe in what she taught and we believe that, yes, the world's going to end. Yes, aliens are going to come and get us and we're going to be saved. But she took her power and her knowledge that they gave to her and used it for evil instead of bringing light and love and good like she said she was going to to the world Jeez, so, this woman yeah there were a couple people that um came with her after the piranha incident and they testified that there were no ritual killings they never practiced black magic unless it was for fun which excuse me fun fun what? black magic and you guys want to go do some black magic this afternoon? They for said, <laughs> right? We're just going to go behind this dumpster and play with a Ouija board. You guys in? Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what um, I love to do. Exactly. So they said that the only thing she was she should be accused of was for coercive persuasion because she would force couples to turn over their babies to other couples who didn't have children or forced couples to leave their children with their grandparents or other guardians in order for them to be able to stay in the cult and eventually when the earth you know was done and over with they would be able to leave the planet aboard her spaceship yeah she's like these kids then another person was like these kids have negative energy that's why we weren't allowed to have children in the cult because their negative energy would not allow us to move on to the next world with these aliens right okay so there's a lot of going back and forth because her original followers when she first started the cult were like, yeah, we did black magic, we did all the stuff. But then the people that were with her now that did not leave her side were like, we were just, you know, messing around having fun. The only thing she's guilty of was telling us not to have kids. So it was really confusing. And this was another reason why she was acquitted, because there was a lot of back-and-forth confusing information. Uh Uh-huh. So after the trial... Valentina went into hiding with a few of her very close followers, and she is still to be believed to be alive and in her late 80s, and the group still remains active to this day, although there obviously is a couple splinter groups that split off and started their own thing, but yeah, yeah, she was never accused of anything. Like, she never, I mean, she was accused, but she's never, like, persecuted or whatever. She was scot-free. Like, I'm out. (laughs) Jeez. Fucking nuts. Wow. And just... Honestly, go online and look at pictures of her because she looks insane. And she, she really had does. some amazing late 80s floral dresses on. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Gaudy. Yeah. So before we move on from this, I do, because of course I did a little research on this to get a general idea right. of it before I chose it, right? <laughs> so did you go to ValentinaDeAndre.com? The best yes. website in the world. It, what is that? Like an angel fire website? <laughs> So I just want to describe this to you. I'm going to put a link oh, to it um, in the show notes, but it's a very like shitty 90s website, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a few of my favorite things is they clearly must have learned from the legal side of things because when you go into the website, I think, I'm actually not sure how this website works, to be honest with you. There's a... Um, I was afraid to click on stuff, because I'm like, yeah, this no, is going to give me a worm in my computer or something. No, I went in and clicked the fuck oh, around. Yeah, totally. Out of it. Okay. So when you go in, there's a legal disclaimer that pops up that says... Hold on, it's popping up. In English, not in Spanish. It is in Another English, yeah. Um, 
I materialize energy in the planet Earth with the name of Valentina DeAndrade in honor to light, love, truth, engraved that the revelations contained in this site are native from cosmic individualities, not existing. Anyone who can question this declaration as I own plenty material proves of what I affirm here. Valentina DeAndrade. Um, and then it gives a date of when she put it. So, right, that's like oh my God, the legal display. <laughs> Is there music? Listen. No, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I so if if you go into the website, this is this That's is probably my favorite thing. Yes. Um, and I'm just going to give you a couple excerpts from this. But she has a biography on the page. And I don't know. Um, the registration and the copyrights are all to Valentina DeAndre, but I don't know if it is her personally running the website or if it's through the organization mm-hmm. running the website. Um, but she kind of talks about, she starts off by talking about how she doesn't, she's not like a big writer. And then she goes into kind of what she's like. As an incorrigible romantic, I prefer songs and messages than incite to dream. As I understand, singing is not yelling to show how strong voice is, but certainly to feel, modulate, and perform the lyrics. I have an innate capacity to compose melodies, words, and poems. She kind of goes on to talk about herself, and then she'll have these points where it's like, it's like, a biography of you, almost like a dating profile. It's kind of weird. But she'll have these moments of big, bold text that will say things like, never during my turbulent life did I practice a single act of evilness or something that could disturb my conscience. And coming up from this calm, I maintain the assertion of my unquestionable dignity. And then it'll go back into... um, False accusations flood me into terror. These were not absent since my childhood, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It is, it's wild. Um, it's too much. And I, I hate to say go check it out because, um, but go check I don't, don't want to like give them page views, but at the same time, I'm like, it's wild. If you feel so inclined, check it out. I've done Click it. I don't have it. any viruses in my computer, yeah. so I think you're you're good. Click on it and just see the beautiful. It's it's a beautiful UFO website. It's so shitty. I'm sorry. Such a shitty website. Angelic music. Uh, I just wanted to. I thought about that and I was like, I kind of want to tack this out to the end because it was. It, I looked at that website. It was just like it is so wild. Yeah, it is sorry. Way too much for me. Not to ja- not to jack your though. ending, but no, that's fine. <laughs> um. Do you have anything else to add? No, to that? I honestly am over it. <laughs> All right, I was in the cult. Now I'm out of the cult. Well, if you need something to look or to listen to while you look at her fabulous website, right? If you get scared, you're like, I need to escape from this. Well, why don't you check out this podcast? Hi, I'm Brienne. I'm Courtney, and I'm Olivia, and together we make up super serious social justice. We get together each week to talk about a very serious topic. No, really. We've talked about police shootings, politics, mental illness, disability, race, gender, marriage, kids, pretty much everything. I mean, and also farts. There is a lot of farting. And belching. What we're saying is that we're like you. We're normal people who want to be kind, but also be able to joke about bodily functions. So we've created this podcast to make tough topics accessible and fun. And we even stuck some cat pictures on our website to lure you in. 
So join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Super Serious Social Justice. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and all your podcasting apps or at sssjcast.com. All right, guys, that's kind of our episode. Just a few things before we leave. If you haven't checked out the new merch on the website, we added some new designs by artist Zach Colby, a friend of the pod, to our merch store. So check it out. They're really great. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have any reviews or do you have a shout out from Instagram slash Twitter? They follow us on both. It's a podcast called Killing It. Crime cast. Okay. And they mentioned us as one of their three favorite true crime podcasts hosted by women. Hey. For International Women's Day. Oh, nice. You ladies are inspiring. Oh, shit. Thank you so much, Killing It Crime cast. Thank you. I'm a lady. You can reach them on Instagram and Twitter, and then definitely, obviously, check out their podcast. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, guys. We love lady fueled pods. Yes. I love being a lady. (laughs) Yes. Uh, she walks like a lady and she, I'm just kidding uh, <laughs> um, if you enjoyed this show you can find more episodes like this at badtastecrimecast.com yeah. um, if you enjoy listening to the show there's a couple things you can do mm-hmm. you can give us a review on iTunes yes greatly appreciated um, that's a big one <laughs> you can check us out on social media uh, we are the Bad Taste Crimecast at Facebook and Instagram um, and on Twitter we are at BT Crimecast yeah uh, you can also, if you feel so inclined, we do have a Patreon. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to be a recurring donor, you can go and check that out. Patreon.com slash Bad Taste Crimecast. You can get our wonderful Bad Taste Bites, which are exclusive little clips of new stories, little, you know. Yeah. And I think, didn't you do like some coupons for the merch store and stuff like yeah, that too? Yeah, there were coupons. Um, yeah. There's also free, like you could get free shipping alerts and stuff for when the merch store is doing free nice. shipping, which is quite a bit. I don't even think I get free shipping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, there's just a bunch of cool stuff. There's yeah. a ton of backlog episodes that you can go and listen to. Um, not to mention 25 Days of Murder that we did in December. Yeah, not 31, as no. I previously oh said. Oh, my God. 25. I would have killed myself on the 31st day. <laughs> you said, I think you said that the last time yeah, that no, I no, said no. that. That's too much murder. Um, <laughs> if you don't want to be a recurring donator, donator don't. Donor, donator, donator. Container donator. <laughs> uh, you, we do also have a PayPal for one-time donations. Yes. BadTasteCrimeCast at gmail.com. If you're feeling so generous. Yes. Um, <laughs> that basically just pays for the cost of the show. Like, we don't really do anything with that money. So. Yeah, no. Um, merch for ourselves. Basically. Yeah. We support our own show by spending money in our own merch store. That goes back to us. Yes. To the store. Or to the show. Um, I do want to put a special thanks to Karen Barron. She helped me oh, out yeah. with some translating. Yeah. Oh, so nice of her. Yeah. I, there were some things that it was like, most of it Google did okay, but there were some things where it was like, okay, this is not quite this right. Is nonsense. So yeah, <laughs> I was so funny. I sent her, um, I think that quote from uh, Luis to translate and she was like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, by the way, it's for the oh, podcast. Way, so yeah. This is murder related. <laughs> Karen Barron, thank you so much for helping me translate <laughs> some of the stuff <laughs> for the episode. Scaring, I'm sure the shit yeah, out of sorry. her. You're like, what does this say? Vicky, blink twice if someone's trying to hurt you. <laughs> right. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, do you have anything else? No, man, yet? that was it. Thanks, guys, for listening. Yeah, we want to say uh, our sound and editing is done by Tiff Weech. Thank you. Our music is by Jason Zakshevsky, the Enigma. He needs to get that legally added Thank to you. his name. The Enigma. 
<laughs> no, the Enigma and the horns. Wah, 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 wah. You just got to write it down. Yes. Uh, we will see you guys in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Goodbye. Bye. They murdered 10 young women and left their bodies on the hillsides along the highway. It was as if a wave of evil washed over this town. We are all evil in some form or another. Enjoy the show! <laughs> you can cut that in. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Great for continuity. Yes. <laughs> Enjoy the show! <laughs>